When I hear Zechariah's song, I'm not going to lie, I have some feelings. I am the son of a tiger mom, which I say with much gratitude and no shame. And I'm the only patrilineal grandson in a traditional Chinese family that values duty. When I hear Zechariah's song about his young son, I think, wow, okay. Kid just got circumcised, maybe not feeling his best self, and now you pile on the pressure. Thanks, Dad. No wonder John fled to the wilderness. I also wonder how the bystanders in the temple received Zechariah's words. Did they think him a tad grandiose? Was Zechariah a bit of a drama queen? Sure, he had waited so long for a child. But prophet of the Most High is a little much to proclaim on the eighth day of even a special child's blessed life, no? What do you feel when you hear Zechariah's song? For some of us, it taps into deep emotion. Now, I'm not a parent. I have nephews and nieces whom I love very much. And I came directly to you uh, from six days of caring for my seven-month-old niece. But this is a sermon, not therapy. <laughs> so I will save the stories. I can only experience the parental aspect of Zechariah's song from a distance. Still, even those of us who aren't parents can imagine the joy, or maybe let's call it relief. He and his wife Elizabeth spent years longing for a child, years praying against barrenness, years asking why. In a culture where family status largely defined your worth, childlessness was a source of great shame. I think Zechariah's song is a, is a song of liberation. For some of us, this poetic cry of praise might resonate because we have sung such a song ourselves. Perhaps you wish you could sing it wholeheartedly again. Or maybe you dream of singing it for the first time. To do so would be to know God's tender mercy firsthand. To believe in your bones that God really is so good, that God truly did look upon us in favor, to be able to testify that God shows up. Zechariah names what he sees, not just his own circumstances, but also their significance in light of his people's long journey. I think Zechariah's song is a song of recognition. For some of us, Zechariah's song stirs puzzlement precisely because of this full-throated praise. Praise is not my forte. I'm not a very demonstrative person. I praise inside my heart, and I bet some of you do too. Still, I admire Zechariah's style of public praise. He is so bold in proclaiming his truth. Zechariah has spent his life approaching the holiest of altars, coming repeatedly toward the divine, being reminded repeatedly of how his ancestors have done this too. It also shouldn't be lost on us that Luke says that this is not just a song of praise, it's a prophecy delivered to an oppressed people. It expresses what has been as well as what could and indeed will be. I think Zechariah's song is a song of possibility. 
For some of us, Zechariah's song inspires awe. Its complexity dazzles, the layers wow. There is none of the toxic positivity we're used to in American culture. These are not the words of someone who has lived an easy life. This is no glib claim that everything happens for a reason. It names sin, it acknowledges suffering, it admits that people need saving, it specifies that people are still waiting, still sitting in death's shadow, still languishing in the pre-dawn gloom. I think Zechariah's song is a song of empathy. Liberation, recognition, possibility, empathy. In all these ways, Zechariah blesses God, not only for his own good fortune, but also and especially for what it means for others. Though sung by one man, this song is just one movement in an oratorio of a people. Though it seems a solo, Zechariah joins a chorus resounding across the millennia. Moses' bass and Miriam's alto, Hagar's cry and Isaiah's recitative, Naomi and Ruth's duet, the five-part harmony of the daughters of Zelophehad, the timbrel and the harp, the thunder of the heavens and the roar of the seas, all together proclaiming God's faithful presence. Hear the echoes. Verse 71 alludes to Psalm 18, attributed to none other than David, who centuries before sang, he saved me from my powerful enemies and from them who hated me. Verse 72 testifies to God's enduring covenant, words akin to Leviticus 26, where God pledges to remember for them the covenant with their ancestors. And Psalm 105, which says God has remembered his covenant forever, the word he commanded to a thousand generations. And verse 79 deploys the phrase shadow of death, which you know from Psalm 23, but also appears in Psalms 44 and 107. Liberation, recognition, possibility, empathy. Not once does Zechariah use the pronouns me or I, and he only uses my to refer to John, his child. He emphasizes the emphasizes the collective. It's all we and us. As the Reverend Dr. Will Gaffney preached to you last week, it was always about the whole family. Zechariah summons the stories of his ancestors, finding strength and solace and solidarity in their imperfect but holy witness, their perseverance, their endurance, their survival. And he anticipates the work of the next generation, his son, the herald and the harbinger, sent to add good news to this age-old chorus, and his cousin's child, the good news incarnate, the soon-coming king. Liberation, recognition, possibility, empathy. People of St. Luke's, you have said that you wish to ponder humanity in community and to grow together in your faith. Do you see how Zechariah's words are words of gathering, words of community, words of belonging that transcend time and space, nation and place? He invites you to step into liberation, to give voice to recognition, to proclaim possibility, and to extend empathy. So how will you answer his invitation? This invitation is a tricky one. Consider the aftermath of Zechariah's prophetic psalm. 
I wonder whether he would have been able to sing like this if he had known what would become of his son. Would he have praised God if he had foreseen the marginalized life John would live? Could he have spoken of God's tender mercy if he understood the cruel brutality that would usher John to death? Zechariah was the ultimate insider, a son of Aaron, a priest who served in the temple, a bearer of tradition. It was while he was in a holy place at the altar of incense, a sacred space inaccessible to most, that he was met by the angel Gabriel, who brought him the unlikely news that he and Elizabeth would have a son. And that son, John, would become the ultimate outsider. As Luke notes right after this prophetic song, John, John was in the wilderness until he began his public ministry, where father wore a fine white linen tunic and a painstakingly woven belt of resplendent thread son wore a rough coat of camel's hair. Where father tasted the rich meat of the ram of consecration in the temple, son subsisted on locusts and honey, a forager long before that became trendy. <laughs> Here in one family, we see the beauty and diversity and indeed the cruelty of this life and this world a father's hopes, a son's calling, the judgments of a society stratified by class, the strain of an honor-bound culture, and the grief of a colonized people. Liberation, recognition, possibility, empathy. How did they nurture these good things? How do you cultivate them? Just as Zechariah sustained these values, just as his ancestors did, just as John did, all in their distinct yet faithful ways, all in anticipation of a Messiah who would embody them, we are called to uphold these values too. As Zechariah reminds his people about those to whom they belong and the Holy One to whom they belong, we remember those to whom we belong and the Holy One to whom we belong. Liberation, recognition, possibility, empathy. Our faith is not a self-help program or a consumer product. Our faith is not a personal palliative for the heart or a narcotic for the soul. Our faith, our faith, is to be nurtured together. It's to be shared, much like the table to which we return each week. Where Zechariah ends his song, we are invited to begin to scan the horizon for the inbreaking of God's upside-down kingdom, to let our feet be guided onto the pathway of peace, to add our voices to the chorus, too. To liberation, recognition, possibility, and empathy, let me add one more thing. Love. Zechariah sings of love. This song is about a bigger story than his own, a grander narrative that, across, that stretches across time and toward a new day. It is about the arc of God's love. This love empowered Zechariah's ancestors, fueled Zechariah's perseverance, and guided Zechariah's son all the days of his life. This love unites the generations. This love, countercultural and revolutionary, it might be mocked, but it cannot be extinguished. This love otherworldly and radical, gives itself unto death, but then shows its power by persevering into resurrection. 
only in light of God's love, only in light of God's covenant love, God's enduring love, God's personal and present, stunning and sacrificial love, can we make sense of this song in its full context? Because the context is love. Only in light of God's love. Only in the light of God's regal love, God's steadfast love, God's personal and present, stunning and sacrificial love, can we perceive this life, your life, my life, our life, in its proper context? Because the context is love. Only in light of God's love, only in the light of God's freeing love, God's attentive love, God's creative and compassionate, stunning and sacrificial love. Can you understand what it means to honor humanity, build community, and grow together in flourishing faith? Faith that embodies Christ's reign, faith that forgives, faith that frees from shame, faith that pushes back against isolation and loneliness, faith that delights in beauty, faith that pursues justice, faith so perceptive that it can know an unmet need without a word being said. Faith so graceful that it can flutter into another's life and surprise them with joy. Faith so warm that it can melt even the venerable defensives of God's frozen people. <laughs> the context is love. Zechariah's song was meant to remind those who heard it that they are loved. I want you to feel God's love radiating from this text. Only when you feel God's love will you show up fully as the faithful people I know you want to be. Do you not just believe, but also feel that your story, your individual stories, as well as your congregational story, your story with all its triumphs, your story with all its complications, all its joys, all its sorrows, all its laughter, all its tears, all its delight, all its difficulty, all its alienation, all its reconciliation, all of its inescapably complex humanity is knit into the narrative of God's sovereign, healing, and transformative love because it is. You are loved. You are so deeply and truly loved by a love that, that can heal you and this whole aching world. So will you too sing? Will you sing of liberation, recognition, possibility, and empathy? Will you sing a song of love? In the name of the one who created you with wild imagination, the one who longed to gather you under her wings as a hen broods over her chicks, and the one who accompanies you in patient love. Every step of your journey, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.